Shout out our sponsors, GW Competitions. They run regular draws for you to win different prizes, from cash to Rolexes to cars and all sorts. It's all legit, and the draws are run on Facebook Live and Instagram Live, and you've got to be in it to win it. Good luck. Welcome everyone to another Big Eagle Media Podcast. Got a special guest today, DJ Ironic. So for many people, especially our younger generation, Mm. who may not remember Channel U or Channel AKA, he was someone that would see there a lot. So you you was part of our upbringing, basically. Would you you say that? Would you agree with that? Yeah, only because a lot of people tell me that. So I, I I hear it, yeah. I mean, we can say you're someone that was way ahead of their time mm. in regards to the business side of music i guess but yeah let's 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 start from the beginning as we always do with this i mean tell us about yourself like who you are in terms of where you're from where did you grow up yeah yeah no the start the start for me starts in um north london that's where i was born and raised um like highgate archway sides for anyone that knows north london pretty decent area like my upbringing was cool it was just like a lot of music based things so like my mum was always blaring music my dad was always blaring music and then my uncle was a big promoter for twice as nice club night called twice as nice okay. back in the day so there was always just music influences every day like going to school i'll be playing what my mum was listening to at home um and then yeah it was pretty it was pretty chill bro i went to i went to holloway boys school which wasn't the best school um in north london but it taught me like balance balance of life like meeting different people people from the street side people that aren't from the street side I wasn't from the street my fa- some of my family members were but also balancing it and meeting you know the, the people from that side at school kind of taught me which way I want to go in life do you know yeah. what I'm saying so um yeah that was that was the early days for me I mean where, where's your family background where is it with nationality um, my mum's half African and half British, okay. and then my dad's fully Jamaican. So what part of Africa? Um, she's from Zimbabwe. Okay, Zimbabwe. Yeah. Okay. Mugabe in them, man. Yeah, <laughs> boy. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Highgate. Mm. I used to live in Muzzle Hill. Exactly. When, when, I, when I was on a run, right. <laughs> I was on a run. I used to live in Muzzle Hill. Yeah. And it's quite affluent area. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, very nice area. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of us as black people over there. You might yeah. see them once. So is that? Did you? Would you say you grew up quite privileged at the time? Uh, not privileged because my mum was from a different background. Okay. My mum grew up with nothing. She come from like like foster homes, running away from parents and all sorts of things. So um, she got put into a council flat in Highgate, luckily, which was a nice area. I think she had to choose out of Highgate and like Tottenham or somewhere like that. Well, obviously, she chose um, Highgate, but she she done well to raise me as well as she could. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't it wasn't easy. It was it was. Um, we had our trials and tribulations, man. Like she, she didn't have much. Do you know what I mean, so she's done what she could, man, and 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 we made it work as much as we could down that road. But the road that I lived on was just one little road in Highgate. It wasn't like I never really saw the rest of Highgate. I just knew the people down my road, yeah. and they were they were like me. Like we, I still know some of them now. So. Yeah, in regards to your father, did he play a part in your life? Never met my dad still. You never met him no. at all? He tried, he's tried to like knock on the door a few times, especially since like 
fame and things like that. Mm. He's tried to come back in my life and send letters and things, but it's something, I don't know, man. I have conversations about this with my friends. Like, I don't know if I'm really into, into, into rekindling relationships, especially at this part, this part of my life and this age of my life. But yeah, I, there was just moments I, I remember being young and my mum mentioning him, but him just not being around, so. I mean, I yeah. spoke about this earlier in the interview I had literally just before your one. Mm. And it was another guy, a Jamaican man as well, um, yeah. Stephen Graham. And he went through something similar where he said that his father left pretty early. Yeah. What do you think it is, I guess, within the black community that the fathers don't seem to be around? If you can... Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it might have been that generation, if I'm honest. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how old he was, but I feel like that generation of parents, a lot of the... The men at that time were moving a bit, do you know what I mean? A to B and moving from woman to woman, I think, at that time, from what I remember. Um, I think that was what that was their mentality at that time, and that was what my dad's mentality was. But I heard a different story when I was young. I don't know if, if my mum wants to clarify this now, but she told me that when I was born, he said that I weren't his son because I'm too light. You know okay. what I'm saying? So he kind of left and said, yeah, my son, da, da, da. Mm. I don't want nothing to do with him. So from there, I was like, I heard so much stigma about my dad. I was like, when he comes knocking, like, I, I don't really want to know, do you know mm. the one? So Even though there could be two sides of the story for you. There could enough. be. Growing up now, I do understand that as well. Yeah. But I don't know, like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me. Like, why weren't he there then throughout them years? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did have a stepdad um, who came into the picture when I was about two, three years old. And he was like, he really like, took that role of being my dad. So I kind of, I think that plays a big part of me not even thinking about my real dad, because yeah. he took that role so well. Um, looked after me, raised me, looked after me and my mum, do you know what I mean? Um, and then he was the one that kind of got me into the music stuff as well. Yeah. So I got to pay him the, the utmost. Did you have any respect. siblings? Yeah, I got a stepsister through my stepdad, yeah. um, Simone, and she's, she's just younger than me, but that's about it, yeah. How was you taught academically in school? In school, I was um, I was cool, man. I was, bro. I was like playful, one of them kids that just get along with everyone, basically. Um, so I, I, I would like to pay attention, but at the same time, I want to have fun and mm. mess around with the kids that are having a laugh in the back. You know what I'm saying? So I'll try and balance it, but I didn't really pay attention too much because a lot of the lessons weren't really for me. I think I knew from an early age I wanted to be into music or something that's. I don't know, something that I'm not being told what to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, find, I find it hard being told what to do. Yeah. Um, even though I was well behaved in school, like if a teacher stepped out of line trying to tell me do this and that, I'll be like, don't talk to me like that, allow it. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So um, from a young age, I kind of knew that I wanted to be something else and outside of school stuff. So I mean, like I said, although Highgate is sort of an affluent area, mm -hmm. I mean, Holloway's around the corner, Islington's around the corner, yeah. so there would have still been people, and you went to Holloway Boys, and right. you would have met different people there. Yeah. What was the main thing that kept you out of trouble? So, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in that lifestyle, because yeah. a lot of us people, especially a lot of people that come on this podcast, yeah. go through that, that, that stage. What, was, what kept you away? Do you know what it was? Um, I saw the consequences. So I was seeing kids getting stabbed at a young age in, in, at my school, outside of school, territories. I'll see beef kicking off. And in my heart, I knew deep down, like, that's not me. I'm not into that. Mm. Like, I haven't got the heart to go and stab someone. You know what I'm saying? 
So for me, I just knew from there that's not that's not the route I want to take. I did little things messing around with some of the naughty kids, like with, you know what I'm saying, just testing the waters and just little things here and there being influenced. But I'd go back home, and then yeah, I'd get in trouble. My mum would just go mad at me because she's from the roadside. Yeah. She kind of told me don't ever get into that, um, and then kind of taught me yeah, just, just like straight the other way. And then obviously I found a music class in school, and that kind of. Um, kept me focused on that side of things. But I was definitely seeing the consequences of the other kids, like seeing seeing someone at 17 go jail for murder from my school. Yeah. Um, and that was a high profile case, you know what I'm saying? So just seeing that from early, knowing that I don't want to be going down that road. I mean, what was it about music that was that draw? Because a lot of young people, is it, it's football, was it, was it about yeah. music at that age? I don't know, man. I just I think it's in me. Like like I said, my mum was like, my mum was blasting the music from early every Sunday. What kind of songs were we listening to on the Sundays? The, the Sundays, obviously, it was the reggae stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then like I just remember the bass lines playing on the Sunday morning when I'm waking up, just hearing the B line. Um, and then during the week, like she she my mum was a raver, so she'll be getting in late from like raving at garage raves, mm-hmm. and like coming back home blasting jungle music and garage music and. I don't know, like from seeing that, that kind of took me into like a lover of music, just wanting to hear all types of music. Then she'll be playing like um, Aaliyah albums and a lot of R&B stuff and just all those influences. I think if you listen to my music throughout my career, all of that is gelled into the mm. music I make. So um, i got to shout out my mum, man, because her influence in my whole life has been very powerful. Big up Mumsy, man. Big up Mumsy, yes. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, she... She she was the she was the main reason why I started straying in the right way, the right direction, man. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy, bro. Cause being in a school like that where it's troubles all around you, people are fighting, people are doing all sorts. You know what I mean? It's easy to to get led into that direction. But I think for me, it's always about being true to myself from yeah. from when I was young. Um, and if I'm not into that and I don't do that, then I'm just not gonna do it, man. Yeah. You know what I mean, so. The name, I mean, before we actually get there, yeah. is that did you, when you left school, mm. decent GCSEs and then went to college? Mm. My GCSEs were all right. They were decent, man. Um, I got some good qualifications, Cs, yeah. Ds, couple Ds, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, the main one was music. That was my focus by that age. By the yeah. time our GCSEs come out, I knew what I was so doing. So what did you go to do uh, uh, in college? So I, I went to um, the Mu- Royal Academy of Music okay. for college. Um, studying production um, and yeah I'd done I'd done about two years in college there and then things started kicking off on Channel U from there while I was in college so I mean okay this brings us to the right point mm. name DJ Ren someone asked me the other day asking was he actually a <laughs> DJ <laughs> well, this is the thing like alright so I had the name DJ Ronnie before I went to college yeah. it was from at least 14, 15 because yeah. like I said my, my stepdad he, he was the one that got me into music um, having my uncle as the promoter for Twice as Nice and my dad, they was always playing music, having the decks at home. Yeah. And then one Christmas, my dad got me Technique Tour Twins. Mm. I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a DJ at the age of 14. Um, and then I, I was thinking, like, what, what kind of names can I have, man? Like, what kind of name can I have? All my friends had, like, different names in school. Like, one of them would be called, like, Breaker because he could break dance. Mm. And, speedy because he could run fast yeah. from the police and you know that one so all different things but I, I couldn't relate to any of them things so I was like I just looked through the dictionary saw ironic mm. and then changed it the C to a K 
But it was different. So I was like, yeah, DJ Ironic. And that was my name from the start. Just yeah. DJ Ironic, not just Ironic. Um, and then, yeah, just started DJing from the age of 14, man. And went on tour with Soul Solid Crew about 16 for 21 seconds. I was the warm-up DJ for that tour. Oh, amazing. amazing. So, yeah, that was cool. And that was my first kind of look into music. I mean, how has it been around them at that time with, with that success? Was that that big influence? Oh, my God, there's Romeo, there's Ashadi and so on. And Steve's were like my superheroes, you mm. know what I'm saying? Like... Seeing them, seeing them lot come from where we come from and then seeing them on the big stage and seeing people scream for them like they're American artists, for me, that was like, wow, I had never seen nothing like it. Like, you'd put them on the same level as a Jay-Z or, do you know what I'm saying, at that time. Um, so that was, a, that was a big influence, man. Yeah. How, how did that even come about? Like I said, through my uncle, okay. my uncle got a shout out, Steven, twice as nice. They were all doing tours with, with Soul Solid Crew and he kind of just said, look, we've got this... Um, tour coming up, Dude, would you like to be involved at the age of like 16? I was like, that would be crazy mm. for my first experience in the clubs. I was only like 16 and I'm, I'm in over 18 clubs, I had to stand <laughs> on a little stool and it was mad bro, it was sick though. And so, just because you sort of writing music at the time, was you sort of writing bars and so no, on? What, that didn't come yet. What was you kind of into? Just, just, just DJ, just DJ at that point, yeah. I was just focused on being a DJ. That was, that was all I wanted to be. Mm. I didn't expect to fall into all these other things, you know what I mean? And, but then I got to the age of about 17, I think, yeah, about 17. I had a, I had a little bike accident, some um, bicycle thing. And I was stuck at home for about three, four weeks, come out of hospital. My mum got me this magazine um, and it had a PlayStation game on it called Music 2000, mm. which was like a production game just for the PlayStation. Very simple production. You like, it was like a game, but you're, you're producing, so you're putting blocks together yeah. of sounds. But from there, I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, this is easy. It seems easy. And I made my first beat. That was where I got into producing from there. And that just fell into, fell into place. Do you remember what your first track was at the time? Yeah, it was a song called Irony. Um, yeah. And another, bro, I, I don't know like, how it just keeps happening. But like another example, like after I made that record, I went to a place where I cut dub, dub plates. I used to cut dub plates for my records at Music House. A lot of people, if you're a DJ, remember Music House um, in Tottenham. Um, and I went there one day and a DJ called Master Steps was there. Don't know if you remember him, a legendary yeah, DJ. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, there's Master Steps. I said to my dad, can you introduce me? He introduced me. I said to him, Master Steps, I got this song I just produced. It's called Irony, my first song. I just made it on my PlayStation. I was a young kid. He was like, yeah, cool, so I'll take it. And he was on Choice FM at the time. I'll say about a week later, he played it on Choice FM. And that was like, that was what I was like, yeah, this is would you, would you Would you listen out to see if he would play it? Or yeah, did you kind of know it was coming? No, no, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. I just gave him the song. Um, so you could have been there for a whole year waiting. It's just gonna like, come, it's gonna come. <laughs> that's part of music, isn't yeah. it? But luckily, he played it, man. And from there, I was like, "This is mad!" Like that's my f- that's my first song. I still got that track as well to, to this day. And I mean, what was your sort of mum saying when all these things going? Was she encouraging you to pursue this avenue? Yeah, she was. She was very chill. But she, um, my my stepdad was really taking control at that time. He was kind of bringing me from place to place, introducing me to a lot of the rave scene. Like he knew the master steps that he knew Wiley at that time, he introduced me to him at certain places. And um, yeah, he was kind of taking in charge. My mom kind of took a step back, but she was still supporting. She'll take me record shop every week to buy my records. And yeah, they were they were very supportive from the start, man. So, so when did you release kind of your first channel U track? Yeah, so that, that come after, so I was producing for at least two, three years, producing for like Black the Ripper. Chip rest Monk. in peace. Yeah, rest, rest in, in peace, peace, man. Chipmunk at the time, Wiley. Um, and was it more, was it grime at this time? A lot of grime stuff, but like, I was doing kind of like 
niche grind where it was like I was using a lot of samples, yeah. a lot of uh, Luther Van Dross samples and things like that, just to make it a bit different, kind of add a different element to grime. But I was like in the background, so I was like, you know, I'd see Wiley just get this mad reception when we walk out, going like to the shops, like people were just kind of like this Wiley, like mm. whispers. I think, wow, this is mad. I'm just a guy in the background, but I think this is sick. Like, I'd love to, to do that one day, man, just get, go on that side of things. Um, and yeah, that, that was where I started kind of thinking about writing my own stuff. And then, but I, I thought to myself, it's too, it's too grimy right now. Like, what can I do that will make me stick out to everyone else? Yeah. I'm not really on the violence talk. I can't really do the four bar repeat talking about violence. So I was like, you know what, let me try a different angle and just be myself. I love the ladies, talk about the ladies, mm. talk about love. Um, and what I was going to say, would that come from, back to again, your mm. your mum listening to sort of the R&Bs and the leaders and be, stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Could be, and I was, I was raised pretty much by my mum because at this point my mum and my stepdad had split up and then um, my sister was here. So I was, I was in a household of two women. It was kind of like, you know what, let me make some songs for the ladies. Kind so of it made thing. you kind of a sweet boy. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. I, hate, I hate that thing, but <laughs> everyone calls me anyway. anyway. Um, but yeah, so then I kind of just fell into place of writing my own stuff, but started on the Gellum thing. And, I mean, just yeah. again, on the production side, because mm. I got an interview, I mentioned actually released it today, but I don't know if I want to release it today, with um, Zeph Ellis, Dot Rotten. Legend. And yeah. he's someone that... When I interviewed him, say, but how did you know? I guess the business side of production of selling your beats for yourself was it just give out beats for give free out. at the time? There was no business at that time yeah. for me anyway. Um, remember, this was so this was pre everything, pre Stormzy, pre Tiny Temper, pre myself. This was before I saw, but this was just after Soul Solid Crew. Um, and to me, like Soul Solid Crew were so massive, like I didn't even think about getting that big or doing anything that they done or touch yeah. it. Like being on that mobile stage was like far out for me. Do you know what I mean? So it weren't even thinking about business more. I love making music. I love doing what I'm doing right now. Give it out to this person. We're popping off in North London. Everyone's loving the tunes I'm doing with Black the Ripper and Chip. And just from there, I was like, like I just loved the hype. Innit? It was just, it weren't really about business at that mm. point. I can't lie, bro. And yeah, I, I weren't no selling beats or anything, so. I mean, I just quickly talked about um, Zeph Ellis at this point, and mm. you said a word, legend. Yeah. I put a snippet of his interview the other day, and someone said, he's kind of the UK Kanye oh, yeah. West. Yeah. Do you agree with something like that? Because um, he, he, he's a controversial character. He's a very controversial character, but most geniuses are, isn't it? Mm. Like, um, for me, I, I take away the controversy a lot of the time when I'm talking about musicians, because... Yeah. The talent itself that he has, I've seen him produce tracks and like, it's crazy, bro. Even as a, as a lyricist, like, it's, he's one of the best for me. Definitely, yeah. I think he's definitely Contro- Controversy aside, isn't yeah, it? I try, I try to stay out of the yeah. controversy stuff. You don't see not, nothing about me, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> I mean, so Channel U's popped off yeah. and what gave you kind of the confidence to say, you know what, actually, these men are doing this, I'm gonna actually write music and do something different that no one else doing because everyone's doing this grime and yeah. violent thing. I mean, that's that's quite a gamble to say, you know, I'm gonna try yeah. and do this sweet boy stuff. Yeah. What, what gave you the sort of say, you know, I'm confident that's gonna do this in that climate? Yeah, it was. It probably was a gamble at that time, and I probably was getting a lot of stick for it. But I, I kind of just, I, I'm one of them people that try and cancel out the noise, man. Like, as long as I'm doing what I love to do, I'll do do what I've got to do. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm sure um, people have hated loads of things that I've done 
during my career, but if I was to listen to all them, then I'll be left behind. I've just got to do what i got to do, man. But at the time, it's, it was more just about standing out and doing something that other people aren't doing. I think that's that's a major thing for me in music. I, I, I hate doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. If I'm in a room spitting exactly like everyone else, then what's the point, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, so it was just about coming different, man. And also, like I said, being true to myself. That, that was me in it. That was me being as real as I can be, even down to my first single that came out. That was, you know, me talking about my younger sister and just being a storyteller and, yeah. and telling my truth and my story. So I mean, how did your family um, sort of respond to that music video when it, when it came out? Yeah, they, they loved it, man. That, at that point, my mum was heavily involved because she, she became manager at that yeah. point. So she she loved it. She loved everything that was going on, man. From, from Channel U, everything kind of went crazy because... Um, you know, labels started calling from there. The, the girls were going mad everywhere we go. We was doing under 18 shows and they were like, like I had never seen anything like it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so at that point, I kind of knew we got something a bit different and special yeah. here. People are going crazy for it. And um, yeah, from there, I guess it, I guess everything happened, man. I mean, at that time as well, like not many people were getting signed and labels were, I mean, labels would reach out every now and then, but no one was really getting signed. Yeah. I mean, when they sort of approach you, how did you sort of decide on who to go with? We only had one label approach and that was that was um Atlant Atlantic Records. Yeah. But they um they actually called and they called my house number. I think okay. they got the number from my MySpace or something yeah. at the time. Um they called my house number and my mum answered the phone. She was talking to them, talking to them. I said, Mom, who is it? She was like, it's at Atlantic Records. They want to meet with you next week. Yeah. I said, what? Like, what, do you, what do you mean? You're, you're talking rubbish, Mom. Mm. Like, Atlantic Records, you signed T.I. and yeah. P. Diddy in America. Like, what do you mean? Like, I come from grime and, like, mm. producing grime tracks. Like, why are they going to reach out to me? But she was like, look, they want to meet him. I didn't take it serious until we went, we went, we went for a meeting the next week, but... Yeah, it was all it was all very fast, bro. It was like it was quite a roller coaster. Like you said, no one had ever seen that before. No one had been signed from my generation at that time. There weren't big big signings. There was the Channel U era, which was sick, and people were doing movements from there, but like taking it to that next next level of like stardom and like um, chart success and stuff yeah. like that. We had never seen it, so. I couldn't believe the label stuff. I didn't believe it until I went there and we signed the deal, man. I mean, was it a thing that we're, okay, this is the first deal we're signing because we were so excited and yeah. looking back in hindsight, would you say, actually, nah, let's see what more people might have to offer. Let's ask yeah. for more. Yeah, I wish we did that. But, <laughs> bro, like, there was no, like, business mind at that point. Yeah. I know it's easy to think business now because the scene's so big and there's so many labels interested because... I don't know, maybe other labels wouldn't have even come at that point, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it wasn't such a built-up thing at that point. Mm. Maybe they wouldn't have, but you are right. I probably could have held back a bit more, released a few more stuff and seen, seen how big we could have took it at that point. But. And w w was the deal certain at the time that you guys were satisfied? Was it like an album deal, singles deal? It was, uh, it was one album deal. Yeah. Um, it was all right. Now, now, now looking back, that's like something that I do think, like I never understood contracts at that point. Yeah. Now looking back, I understand contracts. I'll read through it. I think mm, I could have, I could have took something better, but I can't complain, man. Like everything happens for a reason. It, it took me to where I wanted to go to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for and so my mum didn't have a clue what was going on as well. Yeah. She doesn't know the music business either, so we were just in their world, really. Mm. I mean, I mean, for for kind of like our young audience who are pursuing music now, mm. is it something like when you're being offered kind of these these contracts? What advice would you would you kind of give now, per se? 
what advice um, getting contracts now? Yeah. I would say um, get a good music lawyer, mm-hmm. pr- preferably someone who you're recommended, but not from the label side. You know what I mean? That happens a lot as well. Um, they recommend you a music lawyer, which is usually their Own department. People, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're looking out more for their benefit. Mm. Um, and just like read the fine print, man, and hold your own, I'd say. You know, you're seeing examples of it from like Central C and a lot of the, a lot of the artists coming out now who are doing it really big independently and holding off major deals because they have the leverage at that point, yeah. I think. I think if you can do that as much as you can, it's probably the best position you can be in. Mm. Yeah. And was it, was it, was it, was it at the time, would you consider it life-changing money at the time? Oh, 100% for yeah. me. Yeah, 100%. Can, 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 can you say what it was? <laughs> I'll try to remember, but I know it was a lot. It was, it was like, it was about, it was life-changing for me. It was yeah. about, it was probably about 75 grand I yeah. at that point for the, for the album deal. Um, the first album deal, we signed the second album deal, so. Mm. Um, so that was like that was like one week having nothing to to so we work around eighteen nineteen. I'm like, what, what, what did you go spend in Australia? I probably spent all that money. I spent all that. I spent all that money. Like, that, like, I, like that's why I love to talk about the highs and how great it was coming mm. into the scene and having all this success. But there's also the side of the lows, the um spending all the money, not knowing the business side, which I took the hit for because. I was the first, you know what I'm saying? Mm. When you're the first, you don't understand the business. Now Stormzy and Tiny and that learn from my mistakes so they mm. can pattern up and really do the business proper. So, mm. yeah. so is it, is it, was, was it a thing that where, I guess, I, I guess you're young, so you, mm. you, you want to spend it. Was it like, okay, I see these people spending this way, so I need to spend that way as well. Was it like trying to be the flashy? Not even, because I didn't have anyone to see spend money. Yeah. It was just me. I mean, like, like an American side of okay. it. Okay. No, because I've never really been influenced by Americans. Mm. I never, I'm really UK, like, I don't really love UK, like American music. Yeah. I really heard that. So I never really, I got into Jay-Z late. Yeah, okay. I was, I was like 20s, something. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I just, I was young, bro. And I was like, I really wanted to be a rock star though. Yeah. Which is stupid of me <laughs> at that point. But I was just living that like, I'm getting all the women. I'm going to be crazy on the road, mm. partying, all my friends are with me. Book hotels, champagne all day. Mm. I'll pay when I leave the room. And just spending money on stupid things. Yeah. Chains at the time. Um, I mean, just all these, all these things that were just materialistic. Where well, I should have just bought a house straight away. Yeah. So I mean, it's little things like that. Like, um, yeah. So it was, it was silly, man. I mean, there was a big moment in your career, and Elton John yeah. allowed you the sample and actually joined <laughs> into. I mean, how did that start? Did you, did you use the sample without permission originally? And then that no, that, um, so that was so after we had "Stay with Me." That was like top five top five record and then um, my label were onto me, they were pressuring me to get another one, they were like, we need another record. Because Stay With Me was just a record I recorded at my house in yeah. my bedroom and they signed it, but they were like- And they've got a top five here at the time. Top five, yeah. And then they were like, we need to we need to make another one, but they, like that a and work with you to kind of work this record. Um, and then he came to me with the Elton John sample. And at the time, I was ignorant, young, come from grime. I was like, I don't really know Elton John's music like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the the A and I said, take a listen, man. Like here it is. Da, da, da. So I was listening to it. I said it's cool, it's alright, but I don't know if my audience are gonna mess with it because mm-hmm. they're not really in tune with the Elton John thing. So I said to them, let's get let's get um someone else that I know. He's a new up and coming MC from grime. 
he's sick. His name's Chipmunk. He's 16, 17 at the time. Um, my A&R said, yeah, let's put him on, man. Put him on the track. Showed it to Elton John, um, and then he cleared it after that, and mm. he, was, he was happy with it in the song, number three, man. And then he actually was in the video as well. He was in it, well, he sent video clips. He sent video clips. He had a video suite. I mean, just to have him on there, that's, I mean, it's Elton John, that like, yeah. world famous, it's big right. superstar, basically. And I mean, yeah. well, did you understand who he was at the time? I, after, obviously, I, like I say, like, at the time, I, I was like, I didn't really know his music, and then I had to do my research. Looked into it now, I know all the Elton John's music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, no, he's only cleared like myself, Eminem, um, Tupac, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, at that time, you must have felt on top of the world. You must have thought yeah. nothing is better than this now. That like, there's yeah. no way down, sort of thing. No way down. That's why the money is just spending because yeah. I'm thinking that this is gonna last forever. That's yeah. that's a mistake that a lot of people a lot of people make, man. Um, after that, I remember going home one day to my mum, just being on the road, going home. My mum said, like, my mum's crying. Like, I said, well, what's wrong, man? Like, she's like, have you seen your bank statements? Like, the amount of money you've got right now. Mm-hmm. She had never seen money like that. Um, and from there, I was like, yeah, this is, this is mad for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But still, the spending was just... I mean, at that, at, at that time, though, was mum saying, stop spending it? Or like, you guys were like, no, we never had this legislative life. A bit of both, a bit of both, because I'm hard to get through to sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think so. She was um, she was telling me slow down. She would say like at certain times you're spending too much like right now, um. But at the same time, she would be like just enjoy yourself or like you need a holiday because you've been working hard. Book that twelve grand holiday. Do you know what I'm saying? Twelve grand holiday. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What was this like? Uh, Ten star. <laughs> you go to the moon or? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was just like one of them spa, all treatment spa. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but just, yeah, man, just spending as I go along. Um, and sometimes, like, sometimes I think that I regret that, and sometimes I think, you know. You had the experience. I had to experience that, and I'm, very, I'm much more wiser with money now. If I didn't go through that, I don't know if I would be now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was still young, man. I mean, with all this fame and success, mm. does come a lot of hate, a lot of yeah. jealousy. Were you feeling that at the time? Were you seeing people like that you maybe grew up with looking at you in a certain way or looking at you mm. or people always encouraging? Um, at the time, it was a bit of both, I think. It was, it was a bit of both, definitely, because people had never seen something like this, like this big before in the UK. Um, like it, was, it was hard, like, I mean, like, you, I would walk down the street and I would be very paranoid because people would be looking at me or some like guys, group of guys would be looking at me and I would be wondering how they look at me for this reason or that mm-hmm. reason. Um, but then I walk down the street and it would be just nothing but love, man. So it was a bit of both really at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time really. It was, it was, bro, if I'm honest, a lot of that time was blurry, man. Yeah. It went so fast, a lot of, a lot of things were happening at that time, man, so. Yeah. I mean, so I remember in 2010, I was in jail, maybe yeah. at my newspaper. Yeah. And you're seeing, oh, DJ Renick's being stabbed. Oh, yeah. yeah and right. they've tried to rob you for your jewelry. I mean, mm. what was, I mean, can you talk us through that night? Like, what happened? I think you yeah. come back from a music festival or something like yeah, that? Yeah, coming back from a show, man. Um, that's crazy. You read it in jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah, remember it in the papers and everything. But um, yeah, no, it was, do you know what? The energy around that time, I think I was in a bad place mentally anyway. Yeah. So I think I was attracting a lot of negativity to myself because yeah. I felt I felt like something was gonna happen yeah. probably about two weeks before. Um 
and yeah, I just started letting a few new people in my circle, a few new people come out with me. Um, and yeah, just ended up basically uh, finishing a show in Southend, I think it was in Southend. Even that night, I remember just being tired and kind of had enough. Um, this is like three, four years into all of the fame, everything. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, just want to go to bed and like chill. Um, and then coming back home to the, to, from the show, I'm pulling up outside my mum's house and two guys with balaclavas run up to me and this was Halloween night so I'm thinking is this a joke like is this is this, Hall is this Halloween like what's going on um and then one of them punches me so I think oh this ain't a joke so I start laughing punches me again um so I think this is crazy so I start running um running up my mum's road is like a big steep hill so I yeah. start running up the hill wrong um, time to be in a hill right yeah wrong <laughs> time to go running up hill. I should have run the other way yeah. which ain't a hill to be fair um but yeah, it's, it's hard to think about things when you're in them situation, man. Um, and then, yeah, as I'm running, I'm just looking behind, looking behind, seeing these two guys still still chasing me. They're not even giving up? No, 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 they're, they're onto me at this, at this point. Um, I'm thinking in my head, like, who is this? What's going on? Like, what did I do to... Are you, are you, are you, are you thinking it's a robbery or are you thinking, are you thinking, are you afraid for your life? I'm afraid for my life. I didn't think it was robbery at this point. I'm thinking, because like I say, at that point, the paranoia is around me a bit. So I'm thinking someone's trying to kill me. Um, and then a car comes down the hill as well. And then I'm trying to like tell them I need help, but they are trying to block me in. So mm. the car's actually with the people okay. chasing me. So they're blocking me in. Um, but I managed to get past the, the car, running up the hill, running up the hill, but the hill's too steep. I kind of give up. <laughs> um, the guy comes up to me, he's got the knife. He said, well, um, give me your ring, where's your ring, whatever. So I took my ring off, I threw it, so it would go away from me. Yeah. So as he went to go get it, I ran back down the hill, um, run to my neighbor's house, banging on my neighbor's door, saying, saying someone's trying to kill me out there, someone's trying to kill me, help me. Um, at this time, I still don't know that I've been stabbed. Yeah. The adrenaline's just running crazy. So um, she lets me in the house, she's panicking. My mom's upstairs, my mom comes down panicking. And they're like, are you all right? Like, how are you? What's going on? What's happened? I say, someone's trying to kill me. They're like, are you all right? And I say, yeah, I'm fine. And then like, there's a load of blood on the floor, but I didn't know. And then I like, looked down. Then I just panicked from there. Yeah. And you got to call the ambulance. Call the ambulance, and yeah, everything was everything was a bit mad from there, bro. Cause I never been through anything like that. Um, and then for someone as well who's never been part of the street side of things, for you to experience that, yeah. it was baffling for me. And also, like, I never came into music to have that situation happen. Do you know what I mean, I came into music for the love. As every part of it, the story I've told you, it's like I just fell into loving the production, being an artist. I never wanted to, you know, come across things like this. So for me, it was like a very confusing time for me, man, and very, very paranoid time. It was obviously clearly set up by someone. I'm going to say, because yeah. obviously you're coming from a music festival in yeah. South End, you're coming all the way back home. At like 2, 3 a.m. So someone was waiting there for you, knowing, and then mm -hmm. for them to ask, where's your ring? They knew right. that this ring was something of a value. Yeah. So, um, so obviously it's set up, so my mind's racing at this point. I'm thinking, who? Who in my circle's done that? I'm not trusting a lot of people. I'm saying like my dad to my mum. Well, even if you the mum. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, who would have done this at this point? And yeah. that's what my mind got mad, obviously. My mum would never do something like that. If anything, she's trying to look for someone outside who she can kill first. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so that was, yeah, that was, that was a mad time for me, man. And in terms of paranoia, after that, are you even hanging around with anyone anymore? Have you just kind of looked everyone off at the time? So like, before we done this interview, you said like, um, like what happened? Like, 
I think that was the, the turning point for me because things were like the peak of my career. Just had put out a record with Jessica Lowndes called Falling In Love. It's got like 12 million views, like massive record. Um, but then after I got stabbed, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <coughs> Moved out of London um, and yeah, just kind of chilled for about two years, which is when people think, oh, you fell off. Mm. But Maybe think, you're just taking time to free yourself. I needed it, bro. Like, just been stabbed. Just had four years of like mad rock and roll lifestyle. I'm like, do I even want to do this anymore? Should I just do a normal job thing and just allow it because it's all a bit much? You know what I mean, so I just I went into a bit of depression at that point, man. Mm. Did yeah. you Did you get any help for it? Did you speak in council? I was I was by myself living in in Essex, bro. Just probably didn't help myself or, or my, <clears throat> my mental state at that time. But I was just I just didn't want to talk to anyone. My mum would come and see me here and there, but. Didn't want to talk to anyone, man. Yeah. During that time, I was still working. So, like, I didn't really feel like I needed to come back into the scene. And I never really wanted to be the artist anyway to, like, try and make a comeback. Yeah. Like, just, I'll do my music thing. If people like it, they mess with it. You know what I mean? And for me, it's never been that deep, man, the music. I just love doing what I do, bro. And I guess it's quite relevant what you said now, because sometimes we're, we're such in a bubble in London. We think mm. anything evolves around London. People want shows in Newcastle, people want the shows in Sunderland, in yeah. Cardiff, wherever it is. So it, They're the maddest ones, yeah. you know? That's where I, I get most of my love from, outside mm. of London, man. So, um, But for me, it was just about finding the love of music again after that time. Um, figuring out if this is still what I want to do, figuring out if I still want to wear jewellery, figuring out if I need to trust who I can trust, and just figuring out life bro, for that time. And in, in, in regards to music now, what have you been kind of been doing in, in the last few years? Is, yeah. is it just production side? No, so like after 2015, I met my missus and she was like a, a light, a light that I needed, do you know what I'm saying? Because um, she kind of said to me, look, your music's depressing, that you're making. <laughs> she was real. Yeah, she was real. She yeah. said, you're walking into rooms with your head down. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get emotional thinking about it because she helped me out a lot, man. Um, yeah, I walk into rooms just like, no confidence, bro. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that situation done to me, man. Yeah. I mean, so after that, she just told me, yeah, you need to fix up, live life. We traveled a bit, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, just started making music again in 2016, 17. I started making a bit more fun music. I said, I'm done with like the slow stuff. I yeah. need to make some more fun stuff. I hook, uh, hooked up with my boy AO Beats um, and then got a single with Snoop Dogg out. Yeah. JME was on the album and I made my second album, Truth Be Told, that came out in 2017. It's done like 2 million streams. So yeah. happy with it, man. Yeah, and then just been kind of progressing from there, man. Then pandemic happened in 2019. Yeah. So is it what we're looking forward? I know you just opened your studio now as well. Opened a studio. So the pandemic obviously kind of gave me an excuse to do other things that I've always wanted to do. Started a sunglasses brand, Icon by Ironic Sunglasses, um, which are doing well. Uh, we've got the studio, Icon Studios, we just opened up. And yeah, just kind of try and do different things. And for me, it's about um, figuring out what I want to do next and what I love to do. I still love doing music, but I don't want to do it forever. Um, and people say, OG, I want to be an OG that kind of brings through some of the younger generation. Yeah appreciates them and I think you're not an OG until you help out the people that are still coming up, do you know what I'm saying? So for me it's about doing that. We, that's why we opened the studio for the new artists to come through and yeah man. I mean even like I guess with, with the new artists and for yourself being a new mm. artist back in the day, yeah. when you look at how the scene has developed, does it's it mad. make you does it make you look 
does it make you feel proud? Like, wow, like we were the Bro. pioneers. Like, and is there not a jealousy, but it's like, well, when this all this around went out, I mean, you kind of <laughs> had it a little bit. You yeah. kind of had what these guys are getting in terms of deals, but in terms of to what it's become now, you'd yeah. be like, oh, I was ahead of my time, you know? No, never jealousy. I think if the minute you're like that, the minute you get left behind, mm. I think. Um, mm. I'm super proud, bro. Like, I'll be watching Stormzy on Glastonbury stage, like, in my house, screaming, going...